Oh my goodness, guys, I was muted. I apologize. There we go. There we go. I'm back. I'm back. Okay. Darth Vader is back. Darth Vader hijacked the show again. And uh, there we go. So uh, I'll start with Devin. Devin's kind of out of place today. He's not a, you know, in, in Halloween attire. Uh, Devin, how are you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good, man. You know, it, I'm, I'm a little bit appalled that I was not, I'm not dressed for the occasion. It looks like even Frozone had hurry up and found something real quick. So trick or treat. (laughs) So something along those lines, again, a special edition of the, uh, the eight o'clock spot here on this great holiday known as Halloween. Uh, Mike, again, I can barely see anything again through this mask. Everything just red, but uh, what, what, what do you got with first right now? So my my amazing mother-in-law made this for I actually my entire family has one. Uh, So my wife got a a bear dressed as a bride. I got a football player. My dad got a golfer. So this is about the best I can do. And he's going to be a part of the show today, Bryson. That's fantastic. That's absolutely fantastic. And Alfred, Alfred, kind of going in down the lane that I'm going with the whole mask thing. Uh, Alfred, what are you doing today? And uh, how are you doing today on this Halloween? Oh, I am uh, pretty good. I'm I'm Rey Mysterio, the legendary WWE luchador for Halloween, and for all our Spanish-speaking friends watching the program, bienvenidos más adelantes de Televisa de Deportes es número uno. That is fantastic, Espanol, that, Alfred. That's, that that's, that's absolutely fluid. fantastic. Right there. That was, that was we, we got multilingual uh, contestants in the 8 o'clock spot. I may have to give some extra points for that. I'm not sure. But uh, let's look real quick at our first round rules on this Halloween edition. But the rules do not change. A little bit of a, again, it's a spooky show, but st- same rules. A great take next to 200 points, a good take 100 points. An okay take gives you 50, and a bad take, you come home empty-handed with zero points. Let's start in the NFL, and let's start in the Bay Area, where the Cincinnati Bengals coming off a of bye week got a big-time win against the San Francisco 49ers. Joe Burrow having by far his best game this season. The offense in rhythm, uh, again, winning the game 31-17 to over San Francisco. So I will start uh, I'll start with you, Devin. Again, you and I, uh, I can't say we view the Bengals too favorably given we're in the same division as them, but uh, objectively speaking, uh, how uh, do the Bengals have as good of a chance as anybody to win the AFC, which they did two years ago? Yeah, of course the Bengals have a, a chance to win the AFC. You know, the Bengals are, have been repeated to the AFC Championship two years straight. They have went to the Super Bowl appearance. You know, we've we seen what the Cincinnati Bengals are able to do, even with a poor offensive line that really couldn't protect Joe Burrow. And even with the injury that Joe Burrow is dealing with, the Cincinnati Bengals still finding their way to stay relevant in the AFC. And they took on a big challenge of beating the 49ers this past Sunday. And, I, I hate to say it, Bryce, man. I think we should kind of start looking over our shoulders a little bit at Cincinnati because it looks like that Cincinnati, when they figure out their run game, when they figure it out, Cincinnati is a scary team, man. Once they start adding Joe Mixon to the mix, things get it gets real spooky. It, it looks like that they, they found their treat before they found their trick on this Halloween um edition. So I think that uh, it's safe to say that it, Yes, they are a scary team to win the AFC, but right now I'm still not choosing them to win the AFC right now. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. But again, you, you mentioned the pieces they've got and offensively and defensively. And obviously, when you excuse me, when you have a healthy Joe Burrow, you're as big of a threat as anybody uh, to win that conference, considering that he is, at least in my view, the second best quarterback in the sport. So you might now, do you think the Bengals have as good of a chance as anybody? Kansas City, Miami, Baltimore, Jacksonville, whoever you want to throw out there, do you think they have just as good of a chance as those teams to win the AFC this season? Absolutely. I mean, I think right now they're finally showing that they're a pretty complete football team. 
Uh, listen, this is you look back a few years ago, this defense was a real problem. Right now, they have one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. They have a great set of line uh, linebackers with Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt. I think that's a really good set of linebackers. They've done a lot of work in the secondary to really help that uh, that pass defense. You know, outside of the offensive line, which, I mean, you have to give them credit, right? Joe Burrow was sacked three times against San Francisco. That could have been a lot worse with Nick Bosa and the 49ers pass rush. But, listen, they've won four out of their last five. Joe Burrow was 28 of 32. I mean, the accuracy really does seem to be coming back for him. He just kind of looks healthy now. I mean, you know, you look back early in the season. I mean, he was battling that big injury. And he just didn't look right. Now it looked like they're finally hitting their stride. And if you look across the AFC, I mean, all these other teams have problems. Even Kansas City. Kansas City can't find any consistency offensively that we're used to them seeing. They have a lackluster receiving core. They can't consistently run the football. There's there's a lot of stuff. The Buffalo is flawed. Jacksonville is still pretty young. You know, I, I think Baltimore has a shot to, con, uh, to contend with them along with some of these other teams as well. But I mean, truth be told, Cincinnati is playing among the best football of the AFC right now, and I think Devin's right. I think if you're a team in the AFC North especially, you have to kind of look over your shoulder. You're Cleveland, you're Baltimore, you're Pittsburgh. You really got to look over your shoulder, and this is a team that can really steal that division and I think make a deep run in the playoffs. If they can keep playing like this, they can keep this pace up. No question. I think, too, the fact that Cincinnati got off to that rough start last year, 0-2, and came within literally just a few plays of getting back to a second consecutive Super Bowl. So, again, they are as dangerous as anybody. Finally, with you, Alfred, do you think the Bengals have just as good of a chance as the other contenders previously mentioned to win the AFC? Well, as we all know, Bryson, it's not about how you start. It's about how you finish. Uh, 17 uh, football games in the NFL, and Cincinnati starting to turn it around. Uh, not to mention Joe Burrow's calf issues look like they're behind him. Uh, he rushed for 43 yards uh, this past Sunday, and he, they won four of their last five, and out of the four of the last five, two in a row against a very good Seahawks team and an even better 49ers team. So I, I think this uh, this team is catching their stride. Uh, from Sunday, Joe Burrow and uh, Jamar Chase uh, seem to have in, uh, incredible chemistry. The offense is starting to click. Uh, they've even got Joe Mixon uh, heavily involved back in the mix. And like Mike said, uh, their linebacking core, Logan Thomas, Geronimo Pratt, they're doing more than just than just pass rushing and tackling. Each of them had an interception this past Sunday off of Brock Purdy. So um, I, I think all the other teams in the AFC North uh, should be concerned. I mean, if you look at the standings as of today, every team in the in the AFC North is above 500. So it's really anybody's ball game, even though the Ravens have a little uh, two game lead there, but. I think the Ravens and the Steelers uh, should be looking over their shoulders because I, I think that uh, Cincinnati has flipped the switch, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, no, they're very dangerous. And again, like you're, you're, you're pretty much right in, the, in, in, you know, the fact that again, that is, I think it's, I think we would all agree here, the AFC North. Certainly, I think you and I would agree, Devin, that the AFC North is probably the toughest. And, uh, and the, the, there's the smallest gap uh, in the NFL in terms of the leader, Baltimore, and last place, Cincinnati. So, of course, they're kind of in a dead dead even tie with Pittsburgh and Cleveland at this point. But, yeah, there's certainly a threat. There's no question about it. Before we get to our scores, let's look at uh, the comments section. Uh, let's see. We got Tim. Is that Tim Frost the comments? Again, I can barely see. Uh, but he says, uh, ha happy <laughs> Halloween, guys. 
Uh, happy Halloween, Tim. Hope you and, and yours are having a, a great uh, holiday uh, today. Uh, let's look at our scores, though, real quick. Let's start with Devin over here. I thought that was a great take by Devin. Uh, again, bringing up the fact that, uh, you know, again, that's it's that AFC North connection. Like, I, 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 feel, your, I feel your sort of insecurity because I have the same insecurity about where this team has been the last couple of years and what they can be at their peak. So uh, they're as dangerous a team as anybody in the NFL and obviously in that division and in that conference. And so I thought that was a great take by you. Mike, equally great take as, uh, by you as well. I'm giving you to the full 200 points. Uh, again, you, you bringing up sort of uh, the flaws of the other team, I think is, is well noted. It's Kansas City, again, had a bad afternoon. We'll get to them later against the Denver Broncos, and then and, and that's a legitimate concern whether or not they can generate a consistent offensive play. Uh, and finally, Alfred Parso Jr., I thought that was a great take by you as well. Uh, if we can pull it up here, there we go. Uh, great take by Alfred. Uh, again, bringing up some of the points that, uh, that others mentioned, but also sort of adding uh, some things as well. So again, treat, treats across the board for everybody. So congratulations uh, for everybody across the board. Great takes. Uh, looks like we got another comment. Uh, yeah, Shaheen Taylor agrees. Shaheen says, great takes by everyone. I agree. Uh, again, it, as the as the moderator of the show, uh, that's uh, that's 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 where the burden falls. And that's congratulations to everybody. Uh, to the second round rules real quick. Let's look at our second round rules. A great take. Everything gets doubled, folks. A great take gives you 400 points. A good take, 200. An okay take gives you gives you 100 points. And a bad take, you come home again empty-handed. Everything's doubled. Zero times two is still zero. Let's move on to the NBA. We had a big trade in the wee hours of the morning. James Harden to the uh, Los Angeles Clippers and a blockbuster deal that also sent P.J. Tucker to the Clippers as well. You had multiple picks involved. Oklahoma City was involved as well. You had the uh, 70. Sixers getting players like Robert Covington, Nicholas Batum, uh, Mark, uh, Morris, and uh, etc. So plenty of guys involved in this trade blockbuster deal, and it felt like the kind of the writing was on the wall. It was a matter of if not when. James Harden now a Los Angeles Clipper. So I'll start with you, Mike. Who won this deal? Do you think between Philadelphia and the LA Clippers? I think Philly won it by a lot. I I honestly think that this is pretty lopsided. Uh, I think the Clippers gave up so much in this trade as far as picks and as far as ancillary players. I mean, think about this for a second. You're talking about Marcus Morris, who's a legitimate contributor. Nick Batum, who's a legitimate contributor. Robert Covington's a legitimate contributor. K.J. Martin's a really solid young player that a lot of people like. I, I mean, and you, what you're getting in return is you're getting – Forget honestly, Philip Petrosev is is a throw-in player. PJ Tucker is going to be is going to fill one of those roles, but in a different way. And James Harden is a disgruntled guy who we're not even sure is a superstar anymore, and he's a ball dominant player. I mean, think about what the Clippers are going to have to do now, right? They're working with guy, they're Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, James Harden. Uh, Russell Westbrook. These are all guys that need the ball in their hands to be effective. Period. They do. Now, defensively, I think this doesn't really change much of anything. In fact, I think it might even make them worse because, again, they're they're sacrificing a bunch of wings that play legitimate, versatile defense. So, to me, I think right now Philly got the better end of this. They actually capitalized on what was a really sticky situation here with James Harden. And honestly, I'm not sure it makes the Clippers any better. I think it makes it a little messier, if anything. The only thing that would help them for the Clippers is if Kawhi is hurt, Paul George is hurt. Like if you're banking on injury, this helps them slightly, but just a lot of personalities in that locker room. I think this is, this is a, 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 a time bomb waiting to tick off. I, I really think that this is not going to work for LA. 
You make a compelling case. And again, you you mentioned, too, that, uh, you know, James Harden, you sort of factor in the injuries. It's almost baked in at this point with Kawhi, Paul George and and, and the struggles they've had the last few years staying healthy. And that's, you know, they've obviously been one of the 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 prime, uh, the prime teams, the premier teams who have uh, utilized low management, which the NBA seemed to sort of combat uh, this offseason. James Harden isn't that type of dude in terms of availability. Uh, but just obviously you mentioned in terms of his playoff performance and the Sixers did no question get a haul for him. I think uh, I would agree with you in that. I think they made the best out of the situation uh, short of getting another start player i'll go to you alfred now who do you think won between the clippers and the 76ers in the blockbuster james harden deal two two definite answers for this question uh from each side of the coin before i tell you who won i'll tell you who lost i think the clippers lost and i'll tell you why if you look at contracts at the end of this season james harden will be a free agent at the end of the season and uh russell westbrook uh Kawhi leonard paul george and now the newly acquired P.J. Tucker all have options to walk at the end of this summer. So the Clippers wow. have put themselves in a position where you you're gonna you may they may lose all five of these guys uh, in the offseason. Which if that happens, I think they're gonna be going into rebuild mode for a very very long time. Now, while I will say the 76ers did win because they do get. Nick Batum, a veteran who, who's serviceable. They do get Marcus Morris, a, a big man who can uh, shoot from the wing. But the real winner is Tyrese Maxey. I'll tell you why. James Harden, as we know, has not played a game for the Sixers prior to being traded. So far this season, Tyrese Maxey averaging 30.3 points a game. Will that be sustainable for Maxey? Well, Joel Embiid will need a co-star at some point. And, and all the guys that they've traded for, yeah, they'll chip in points here and there but they're not going to give you the production of 30.3 points a game. Of course, we saw Maxi toward the end of last season really evolve into more of a scorer than he was in previous seasons. So the 76ers, they did win because they got rid of the distraction and the cancer, and they get Maxi a, a, a bigger role, which I think he'll thrive in. But long-term, this is going to be good for Tyrese Maxi, James Harden, of course, a, a ball-dominant player. So uh, it'll allow other guys to step up. But I think the biggest beneficiary of Harden being out of Philly is Maxi, but the Clippers they're crazy because uh you got five guys who are all important. If they if all five of them decide to walk, especially if this se- if this season turns into a disaster, because we don't know if if Harden will sink the chemistry or improve the chemistry from what they had with the guys that they gave up. So uh if this season turns into a, a disappointment or if they get bounced in the first round of the playoffs, the Clippers management might uh might have egg on their face at the end of the season. Should should all five of these guys walk at one time? Yeah, that could be potentially really bad. And something else, too, that I think is worth mentioning is that the Clippers, think about this, folks, the next five years, you mentioned the, the free agent uh, you know, potentials for all their, their star players and their key players. They don't control any of their first-round picks. I think I read this correctly. For the next five years. So they are banking in on this year working and if the if, if it doesn't play out, they don't win the championship this year. This turns out to be a colossal failure. I mean, this isn't like Toronto going out and getting, you know, Kawhi Leonard years ago, and they still have those pieces. I mean, they were going to be relevant. They still had assets. Uh, they The Clippers are screwed uh, one way or the other unless they get a title out of this. And frankly, I have my doubts of whether as, as to whether they can do that. Finally, with you, Devin, who won between the Clippers and the 76ers in the James Harden trade? <clears throat> the Sixers won by far because the Sixers were smart enough to know that <clears throat> getting like a, a Covington and a, and a Morris and those type of guys that, that those guys are just role players. These are guys that you can just fitly, you can easily fit in and adjust to 
whatever the coaching style is going to be. You don't have to worry about trying to find shots for Covington. You don't have to worry about finding shots um, for most anything in that nature because we already know that, like what the fellas just said, the offense is really going to go through MB and it's going to go through Maxie. And once uh, that's once they, they learn how to get those and those pieces is finally contribute could learn how to contribute to their role, Philadelphia is still going to be a contender in the East a little bit. They might not be the top contender with Milwaukee and Boston, but in that four or five seed, Philadelphia can go ahead and say that we can lock that seed up and hopefully scare somebody when it comes playoff time. Hopefully, as long as those pieces to come together. For the Clippers, man, you want to know one thing about the All-Star game that kind of gets born and it's one of the main reasons why they came up with that Kobe rule? Because when you got all those All-Stars on the same on the same court at the same time, the game gets a little stale. Because now you go on my turn, his turn, his turn, my turn, here we go, your turn now, let's go up and down the floor. You want to bring no defensive presence into that lineup. The only defensive presence that the Clippers have is their center. You are now having all the – well, you can add um, Kawhi Leonard to the defensive presence, but he's not the Kawhi Leonard that we are used to three, four years ago. We we tired of seeing Kawhi always in and out the lineup, Paul George in and out the lineup. So now you're going to leave your 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 team to Russell Westbrook and uh, James Harden, and we've seen how that thing – how that fared in Houston. It didn't go all that well. It was just sit them down, get them – if you can't beat me in points – then fine, we already know that Russ and uh, James Harden is not going to play defense. That actually is going to help this team win. So I, the Clippers most definitely lost this. And then that five-year stretch of you not picking your your, your first round, that's terrible. That is terrible. So I, I just really feel like the Clippers, they went all in, but they, they went all in with the wrong person. I'm a James Harden guy, but – that does not make you a championship team. That don't. That doesn't even make you a top team in California. You're still the basement team in California, in my eyes. Yeah, yeah. Thank Bryson, you. if I if I could just add before sure. before we move on, I really don't know that people are putting enough stock into how much deeper Philly just got. I mean, sure. this was a team that I mean, you look at the Milwaukee's and 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 Boston and Cle- even Cleveland and the Knicks and those teams, these upper tier teams in the Eastern Conference. And you just look, I mean, a lot of these teams go nine, 10 deep. And that was the problem that most people had with Philly was Philly was, it was Embiid, whether or not you're getting Harden, it was Tobias Harris and Maxi, and they were getting nothing else. Like that, it was a really shallow roster and Philly essentially fixed that problem in one trade by trading a disgruntled player. This I really don't know that people are taking enough stock into how much deeper this made the Sixers. And how about this too? Maybe they could use us at those asses to get a, another player to go with with Embiid and, and with Maxi potentially. I mean, I think it's in the cards. They have the picks now, and I think they upgraded a head coach with with Nick Nurse. That's a very interesting conversation to have. I'm not going to BS around with you guys. Uh, everybody gets gets the gets the treats. Everybody gets a great take. I, I thought everybody across the board. <laughs> it wasn't just because you all agreed. I, I genuinely, I, th- I thought everybody actually gave. Uh, uh, great takes, uh, but you know what? That's what we do in the eight o'clock spot. It's it, it's it's a tight race going to the third round. Before we get to the third round, real, real quick, let's check the comments. Uh, Shaheen Taylor's got some thoughts. He says Philly got the better deal for sure. He always he says a uh, great take by Alfred. There you go, Alfred. And he says Harden helps in events that Kawhi and PG are out. That's that that's fair. But again, uh, that mm. that's not why they tried. That's not why they gave up the their entire bench basically and their entire wing depth. Uh, to get James Harden, so that's that's a problem. By the way, last thing that I promise we'll move on. 
Uh, did you guys see that the Clippers, according to Las Vegas, have the fifth best title odds in the NBA? I found that uh, quite laughable. And they're front loaded, but they have no depth and injuries will be an issue. Yep. Yeah, it, it, big time. It, listen, and after it, what all these guys have just said, right? I mean, it, they're going all in on this year. They better be among those top teams or else this is like you said Brian, this is a colossal failure if these guys wind up being a play-in team that's still a failure Still, oh, yeah. a failure. anything short of the Larry oh, yeah. Bryant is a failure and given the Clippers history I don't think we have a whole lot of reason to be optimistic moving on to the third round let's check the third round rules out real quick so again everything gets double from the second round a great take gives you 800 points a good take gives you 400 an okay take gives you 200 and a bad take still at a goose egg and uh, the third round uh rolls into the world series last night the rangers took game three despite injuries to two of their key players max scherzer and adolis garcia they were still able to pull out uh, of this game with the w three to one game four is literally going on right now as we speak and this is a critical one no question uh for the arizona diamondbacks who have struggled to generate uh, much offense, or at least it certainly did in, in game three due to some great Rangers pitching. So I'll start with you, Alfred. Do you think tonight, obviously the, the World Series are not over if the Rangers win tonight, but do you think it is a must win for the Arizona Diamondbacks? I think so. And the reason why I think so is because Arizona's home. Uh, it's harder to win games on the road, especially in a championship uh, atmosphere, uh, because it, in every sport, whether it's basketball, baseball, football, the, there is a such thing as a home field advantage, and the Rangers have the home field advantage throughout the series. So it's tougher to win games on the road, so you got to make sure when you're in your house that uh, you do win. Also, Adolis Garcia, who was the ALCS MVP, he's caught fire these last couple games. even had a great game last night, even though he had the rib injury. Uh, they, they need to take advantage of that. He was removed from the postseason roster, and for those of you who don't follow uh, MLB or casually follow, once you're removed off the postseason roster, you cannot be re-added to the postseason roster. So they're going to go the rest of the series, the Rangers, without El Bombi in the lineup, which says a lot because he is their most dangerous hitter. Of course, they still have Seager and Simeon. However, the Rangers also have depth because a lot of people forget Travis Jankowski also on that roster. He batted over 300 for the season. He can't replicate the power, but he can get on base. He's a speedy guy. Contact and average are a thing. But uh, if, if the Diamondbacks lose here, they're already down 2-1. You lose 3-1 at home and have to go back to Texas, uh, that's that that's going to be rough and demoralizing. So uh, if they can even up the series, they'll stay alive. I, I think Texas wins no matter what happens. But uh, with, with Scherzer and, and, and Garcia gone, this is the time to at least even it up and give yourself a chance in front of your hometown crowd before you have to go and uh, have the, uh, the, tough, the, the, the tough outing uh, back in Arlington. And again, an opportunity if you win tonight, you put a little bit of heat on, on, on Texas. Obviously, the Rangers still had home, home field advantage regardless, but still, you know, you don't want to go to game six on your home field, even if you are in your home field, uh, down 3-2 with an opportunity to be eliminated uh, from the postseason. And the Diamondbacks obviously winning winning it all. To you, Devin, now, do wait, you think one, tonight – what's that? Oh, sorry. No, I was going to say one last thing. They win tonight. They could potentially extend it'll, – it'll extend the series to get one more game back at Arizona. So – now, well, not necessarily. There's game five regardless, though. Well, yeah, that is true. Yeah, uh, but I, I, feel, I feel where you're coming from. Devin, to you now, do you think that tonight is a must-win for the Arizona Diamondbacks? Yes, if Arizona wants to be still relevant into this World Series, yes. Because once again, that what Alpha just said, that if if the Rangers had lost their 
pretty much the, their their dog in in this fight. Really, um, you have to try to catch the Rangers slipping as best way as you possibly can. And if you can't, we already know that the Rangers bats can get hot, and that's what has saved the Rangers throughout this whole postseason. In my eyes, is that when their bats get hot, they know how to turn the bats on. They know how to keep the bats on. So that's the thing about Arizona is their bats hasn't been hot since maybe their opening uh, postseason series. Uh, I forgot who they played in um, in their uh, first round, but that's the last time Arizona really has been hot, really. So if Arizona wants to try to stay relevant and stay in at least make it competitive, you know what I mean? Because you are already relevant enough that you made it to the World Series. But if you want to at least make the series competitive and at least try to – Scared angels without their dog is try to win this game tonight. And if you can't win that game tonight, you don't want that momentum to swing back in Texas. And Texas already is feeling like they're going to win this World Series even without their top dog. So if I'm Arizona, yes, I try my best to try to steal one and hopefully the bats get hot. For sure. Yeah. I mean, again, if they do get hot and Arizona has had their moments here and there with the bats, but they've really gotten here, you know, really on the, on the arm of, the, of their of their pitching, their starting rotation and their bullpen. Uh, finally, with you, Mike, uh, do you think tonight, again, it is not an elimination game, but do you think it is a must win game for the Arizona Diamondbacks if they want to win the 2023 World Series? So I actually disagree with both of these guys, and I'm going to say no. And it's because of what the Diamondbacks have done throughout the postseason already. They won, they won two in Milwaukee. They've won. They swept the Dodgers. They won two in Los Angeles, and then they closed out the NLCS by winning two in Philly. So I think that they can. And all of those teams, maybe with the exception of Milwaukee, have better home field advantages than the Texas Rangers do, just as a whole. So I know I don't think that this is necessarily a must-win. However, I do think right now that the Rangers, I think, are in big trouble. I don't know that people are putting enough stock into the absence of Adolis Garcia just because he is their hottest player and he's their hottest player by a lot. And not only is their hottest player, he is the full energy of this team. This is uh, like Adolis Garcia is the Rangers. This is a guy who provides all of the spark in the dugout. This is the guy that literally embodies what this entire run for the Rangers has been. Now the Rangers are not screwed. I, I, I won't say that they're, completely out of this they're obviously not completely out of this because they're still finding offense from guys like Jonah Heim from Corey Seager Marcus Simeon they they have the bats in the lineup to get it done but I also think if you look deeper into this roster right you can't rely on a big postseason arm like Max Scherzer you're going to have to go to your bullpen a little bit earlier and what the Rangers bullpen say what you want about how they've been this postseason they were a real weakness for them towards the end of the regular season. So it depends on how much you trust them. And Arizona has been, I think, the most resilient club in the entire postseason. They've come back. Uh, the fact that they came back in that Philly series when it just seemed like everything was growing, going right for the Phillies is incredibly impressive. I believe that pitching in the postseason is most important. I like the Diamondbacks pitching staff and especially their bullpen a little bit more. So I, listen, I don't think that this is a must-must win. I think the Arizona Diamondbacks can get it done regardless of whether or not they win tonight. They're an incredibly resilient club. Gabby Moreno, Lourdes Gurriel, they have a ton of great good, uh, great young players. Corbin Carroll, Cattell Marte has exploded. I, I, no, I don't think that this is a must-win. It helps, but it's not a must-win. That's really interesting. So you think Arizona can can yeah? I shouldn't say pull the impossible. It's been done before, but come back from a a three one deficit in the World Series. I gotta say, uh, uh, Mike, 
I'm not gonna lie to you. I find your lack of faith in Corey Seager disturbing. Okay, I don't like that. I, I don't. I, I don't like the doubt you're putting in the end. No, the hold, guy on, hold, on, be, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I never, I never lacked any faith in Corey Seager. I love Corey Seager. He's listen. If if he didn't get hurt for a portion of this season, he would have been in the running for MVP. Also, if Shohei Otani, you know, wasn't in the majors, he'd be in in the running for MVP. But I, the rain, like I said, the Rangers have the bats to do it. But I think missing Adolis Garcia in the middle of that lineup and missing his energy of being in the lineup, I think that's a big stab in the heart. I really think that that's a really big, impactful injury. That's really interesting. I mean, and listen, it's it's a good thing Texas – it would have been devastating if they lose both those guys and, and, and obviously losing game three. That felt, would have felt like two losses almost. Uh, to Alfred – I'm going to give you a great take here, Al. Uh, I, th- I think you you put it all together here in, in terms of your, your your evaluation of you know Arizona obviously needing to win on the road in Texas. Uh, but that's you know a solid take by you, uh, uh, Devin. I'm going to give you a good take. Um, uh, again, I, I think I thought it was solid. I thought your evaluation, uh, excuse me, evaluation of Texas was uh, was fair, but uh, a, a good take by you, uh, Mike. Again, I don't know if I totally agree with you, but. Again, a great take in the sense that, A, you get me thinking, and B, you know, listen, in terms of the Texas Rangers, you are right, and we saw this certainly in the ALCS. Uh, not much of a home field advantage at Globe Life. Is it Globe Life Field, Globe Life Park? Whatever yeah, Globe Life. Glo- yeah, Globe Life. Yeah, Globe Life. It, you know, they've they've tended to struggle there in, in, in the postseason. So, uh, you know, I'll give you a great take there. So fourth round, and then we'll get to a, a fun Halloween final round between the top two uh, point getters. But let's look at our fourth round rules real quick. Uh, if we can pull it up here. Okay, so fourth round rules. A great tech gives you 1,600 points. A good tech gives you 800. An okay tech gives you 400. And a bad take, uh, you come home empty-handed once again. Let's transition uh, back now, uh, if we can pull this up here, uh, to the uh, to the NFL. I'm sorry, yeah, uh, to, to the NFL with Patrick <laughs> Mahomes. Yeah, it's going to spoil the last segment, but whatever. Uh, the Chiefs struggling against the Denver Broncos uh, yesterday, or I'm sorry, on Sunday, uh, only scoring nine points of total offense. I think they lost that game uh, by a final score. If I could pull it up here, I apologize. Again, I can't see anything whatsoever through this match. 24-9 to Broncos ending a streak of, of losing. I think it was 16, 17 straight games that the Chiefs had beaten the Broncos. They had not beaten them since week two of the 2015 season. Patrick Mahomes with the flu uh, was, was, was sick, struggled. There was five turnovers offensively for Kansas City and they weren't able to get stops they needed to defensively, particularly uh, early on in the game. So I will start with you, Devin. Uh, do you think this loss was something or nothing for the defending champs? Uh, I'm going to say it's something because <clears throat> Kansas City wasn't really looking the same um, for the last couple of weeks. And then adding up to this week now, we've seen that Denver always gave Kansas City a little bit of headache. But for Kansas City not to throw up points, that is like – that is most definitely your haunted house treat right there, man. For like, where have this Denver Broncos been? Remember, just two weeks ago, we was all saying that the Denver Broncos was about to have a fire sale. They're getting rid of everybody except for Sean Payton. But somehow, some way, they beat the defending champions, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. They always have gave them trouble. And, and then Russell Wilson was, was looking like a decent quarterback this week. He was able to put up multiple touchdowns. He was able to get outside the pocket. And then that defense, Denver, as they just gave up Randy Gregory for nothing but a washing machine uh, a couple weeks ago, this defense all of a sudden just turned it around and now putting pressure on Kansas City. But Kansas City is missing a lot of things, in my opinion. And I think that Eric enemy is the most important thing that Kansas City is really missing right now. Um, for uh, Eric enemy to me, was 
was Patrick Mahomes' safety blanket because at Reanimy can call up, can dial up good plays, know how to get Kansas City to keep Marshall down the field, most definitely know how to make Kansas City put up points. And I'm not saying that it's all be at Reanimy, but it's, it, you can just clearly see that that offense is looking a little off right now. It doesn't really look the same. You can just see each year that they lose a key piece. Like when they lose, when they lost Tyreek Hill, we was like, mm, we don't see it fully, but we can see the explosiveness for the offense is kind of not explosive uh, as they used to be. Now, Eric enemy has gone now. It's like, mm, it looks like that that genius of mine, Andy Reid, is it's not maybe he's a genius, but it's not. We see that Eric enemy had a bigger part for Kansas City uh, than just being an OC. So I, I really think that Kansas City is, is really struggling and missing some key pieces s- such as Eric Bieniemy. Interesting. I never thought about it from the Eric Bieniemy perspective, but that's interesting. I'll shift to you, Mike, now. Do you think this loss was something or nothing for the Kansas City Chiefs, who do, for the record, it is fair to bring this up, they are tied for the best record currently in the AFC, but do you think this was something or nothing? It is absolutely something. I agree with Devin completely. I think I, I think I disagree with Devin in the sense that I I'm not sure the impact of missing Eric Bieniemy is as important as their lack of weapons on the perimeter. I, I, this is this is really I think a a a like a warning sign for Kansas City and the fact that they really didn't do much here at the trade deadline to add pieces to this offense. I think really concerns me just because like listen. We can say what we want about Patrick Mahomes and how he hasn't looked like himself for most of the season. Uh, And Travis Kelsey has not, you know, blown up the world like we're used to seeing. But, uh, I I mean, these receivers that cannot create separation, they just simply cannot do it. This is the second that they've already played Denver twice this season. They scored 19 points the first time and nine points the second time. And this Denver Broncos defense is bad. Very, very bad. So I would be outrageously concerned if I were the Chiefs. Now, listen, you still have Patrick Mahomes. You still have Andy Reid. You still have Travis Kelsey. But at the same time, if you're not going to be able to consistently put up points against truly bad defenses, this Denver Broncos defense, this is the same defense that gave up 70 points to Miami. Like, this is a bad, bad defense. And you couldn't score against them both times. I, I'm I, I'm concerned, you know, because listen, when they traded away when they traded away Tyree Kill and they won the Super Bowl last year, everybody gave Patrick Mahomes the Aaron Rodgers treatment of, well, why would you want to invest in receivers, right? He can make anybody great. Turns out that that lack of separation is even hard for Patrick Mahomes to overcome. So the fact that they can't really consistently run the football from week uh, from week to week. Their receivers can't create separation. The only guy that's reliable enough is Travis Kelsey, and because of that, he's receiving more uh, more double teams, more attention from defenses. This is really concerning for Kansas City, at least for me. Sounds like you're you're darn near in panic mode, uh, Mike. Is, is that a fair interpretation? No, I, I wouldn't call it panic mode, but it's, it's legitimate concern. Because, like okay. I said, you still have Andy Reid. You still have Patrick Mahomes. You can still make something out of nothing with those two with those guys but I I mean I I think this is as bad of a receiving core as Patrick Mahomes has had in his career and it's actually showing itself he doesn't he hasn't turned the ball over like this ever in his career so this is a real concern it like I said they're still the Chiefs it's not full-blown panic mode 
but it's a legitimate concern. It needs to get better. Guys like Sky Moore, Rasheed Rice, you know, they better develop fast because they need them. Sky Moore's really got a bad case of drops right now. Mahomes had his bad case of the flu, oh, and yeah. Sky Moore's had a bad case of drops seemingly since the Absolutely. first game of the season. Uh, to you finally now, Alfred, uh, do you think this is something or nothing, this new recent loss uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs against the Denver Broncos, something or nothing? Uh, it's nothing. We're, we're panicking about a team who's, tie, who's in a four-way tie for the best record, not in their division, but the conference. Um, to panic at this stage is, 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 is asinine to me, uh, especially everybody's forgetting the court, your quarterback is, is, is the catalyst of the offense. Patrick Mahomes was playing with the flu all day Sunday. So everybody wants to talk about he can't score. The guy, the, we don't know what symptoms he had or what ailments he was suffering from. All we know is that he had the flu. A flu could consist of many things. A fever, dizziness, stomach bug. We don't know what the guy was physically feeling like. They probably asked him, hey, Patrick, do you, do you want to play? And knowing the competitor he is, obviously, if you watch the Netflix series quarterbacks, you'll, you'll know, especially from the ankle injuries that he had in the playoffs last season, this guy is a competitor. He's not going to want to come out of the game for anything. So I think everybody just overlooks the fact that he had the flu. Uh, his arm strength probably wasn't there. The guy just physically was not well. I don't care how bad of a defense Denver is. They already beat them uh, in prime time once this season. I, I guarantee if Patrick Mahomes was at 100% that um, that, that he, they would have beaten uh, the Broncos on Sunday. Now, here's what I'm going to get to is the schedule. Three of the next five games that the, the Chiefs have are against really, really good teams. Uh, they've got, they, they'll be in Germany this Sunday against the Dolphins. Of course, we mentioned the Dolphins are one of the better teams in the AFC East. Uh, the Eagles and the Bills are also uh, uh, lined up three of the next five. If they if they drop uh, at least two of those three games to those teams, then I would be concerned. But as of right now, I'm not panicking. The guy was sick. It's Not, not everybody could be Michael Jordan against Utah in, in the 98 finals and, and have a great game while, while, you're, while, while you're suffering from flu-like symptoms. So uh, it, it was just a bad game. And again... When you have a team that is known to be one of the elite teams the past couple of years, every elite team is due for a clunker. How many times did, did Brady in a Super Bowl winning year lose a game or two in the season? So I, I'm not – Chiefs fans shouldn't be concerned. I'm not concerned. So, uh, it, again, they, they're tied for the best record in the AFC. I, I, I'm not concerned. Now, if it's a couple weeks from now and they're losing games like this consistently and they go on a streak, yes. But one game – and the guy and the court and their best player was ten six seconds left. Now. Yeah, no, that, that that's that's fair. By by the way, just in, in fairness, the uh, the MJ flu game was in '97 against the Utah Jazz. That game five, but the, uh, the point well taken. Uh, obviously, that was the iconic uh, sick game uh, in the history of professional sports. There's no doubt about it. Uh, before we get to point totals, let's look at the comments section. Uh, yeah, uh, Barry says, "What is going on today?" Alfred is uh, no. I I, I swear to y'all, I can't see anything through this. No, Lucha yeah. Libre. <laughs> Lucha Libre. More like they call me Nacho Libre. <laughs> That's incredible. And he says, uh, he says, uh, Anakin using the force to rig the show results. Hey, hey, relax, okay? There's no Anakin here. It's Darth Vader, okay? There's no, there's no Anakin Skywalker today. Maybe we'll do that in the future. I don't know. It's just, if Halloween's future. Stay tuned. Uh, but 
Yeah, I appreciate Barry for for tuning in. Uh, let's look at uh, the comments or not the comments, the the, uh, the point totals. Uh, Devin, uh, let's see, make sure I got this right. Yeah, Devin, uh, an, another really good take. I'm going to give you a good take there in terms of uh, the Kansas City's. Uh, again, I, I'm sort of with Mike in that. I don't know if the Eric Bieniemy loss is as big uh, as, as maybe you're getting giving credit for because at the end of the day, Andy Reid is the play caller. Um, but, I mean, listen, maybe that, that could factor to a certain degree. Um, let's see, let me pull up Mike here. Uh, Mike, I'm going to give you a good take here. Not a great take, but a good take here, too. Uh, I don't think the Broncos' defense is near as bad as, as you're giving it credit for. It has played much better uh, in the last month or so. Maybe they're getting their, their sort of their personnel right. Uh, you know, I don't know if it was you or if it was Alfred who brought up Randy Gregory, or maybe it was Devin bringing up Randy Gregory on uh, this defense, sort of turning it around. So I don't think it's quite as bad as you're giving it credit for, uh, but the nine points is, is, is no question something. If I can, I'm trying to get Alfred's uh, point total up here real quick because I want to, I want to be accurate here. I want to give everybody credit for a uh, job well done. Oh, hang on. That's that's not good. Hang on. Sorry, folks. A little bit of a delay. Again, not not an excuse here on the 8 o'clock spot. I should probably reduce some points for myself here. Uh, I can't see anything through this mask. Alfred, uh, good take by you here. Um, you know, uh, listen, you, you, you brought up the, again, I, I, I would, I don't think it's, it's nothing. I don't think it's an, an irrelevant sort of a situation for the Kansas city chiefs in terms of losing to a division rival. But I do see where you're coming from the sense that, you know, they had a lot of these same guys and they hoist Lombardi trophy at the end of the year, but uh solid takes by everybody all the way around, but tw- 2,200 for both Guido and for Alfred. So Devin, that means your day is over. Uh, no, no treats for you. Just, just, just tricks, buddy. You're, you're, you're out of the eight o'clock spot this week <laughs> as the defending champion. And, uh, Trust. Give him a big trust. No, 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 no. What? what? <laughs> not covering against the Arizona Cardinals? No, we're not. No, no, no. We're not. We're not doing that. Okay, De- Devin. Uh, we'll see you at the very end of the show. But uh, good, good performance today, buddy. Appreciate. It. Yes, sir, Devin. Good stuff today. And let's move on to our final round. And this go. This is a good one. Today's Halloween, All Hallows Eve, whatever you want to call it. And the final round rules. Let's look at the point totals. It is a win or go home situation, which is fitting, given that Mike and Alfred are tied in their point totals. The winner. Gets 10,000 points. The loser comes home empty-handed. So we're doing going to do a Halloween question. Let's move away from the world of sports for just a moment. Because, listen, there's a lot of great Halloween candies out there. Again, my personal favorite is Skittles. Skittles are like uh, just like crack cocaine for me. I mean, man, I'm, I'm just telling you, I, I'm, I'm addicted to them. I love Skittles. Uh, good Hershey bar, I'll take that too. But uh, I'll start with, with you, uh, Mike. Uh, what is the GOAT Halloween candy, and why do you stand by it? Okay, so... Um... The goat Halloween candy for me is Kit Kat by far. Love me some Kit Kats. First of all, the fact that you can snap them and break them into little pieces and they come in these different fun size packages. They're easy to eat. You can eat them while you're trick-or-treating. First of all, that's a, they're an easy candy to eat while you're trick-or-treating. So they, they pop right out. Hey, listen, I ate a few before I came here, but. The fact that they've got the wafer cookie in there. I, listen, I'm a big cookie guy. I love chocolate chip cookies. That's my weakness. I'm sure Alfred can relate, at least to some extent. Cookies, especially freshly baked, are incredible. And uh, Kit Kats, as far as the wafers are concerned, it's just the perfect crunch, perfect flavor. I'm a big Kit Kat guy. I do love Kit Kats. I mean, I, I seem like I remember your guy, Giancarlo Stanton, talking about how much he loves Kit Kats. I don't know why I remember that just randomly right off the bat, but uh, yeah, it seemed like that's a popular <laughs> thing uh, among athletes. But yeah, I, I do. I, I'm with you. Kit Kats are good. Not not the goat candy, but they're good. To you, Alfred, now, what is the goat Halloween candy and candy in general? Now, as a as an avid and lifelong candy lover myself, yes, I love <laughs> Kit Kats. I love Snickers. I love Twix. I love Milky Way. I love Galaxy. I love Three Musketeers. However, 
I can get all of those candies and many, many more all year round. The only candy that they sell on the market that is exclusively sold during this particular time of year is candy corn. Now, now, hold on. You may not like it, but the way that it's sold and marketed, it is the staple of Halloween candies. Now, yes, you could have Reese's peanut butter cups in the shapes of jack-o'-lanterns. You can you can have uh, orange and black colored M&Ms that taste just like the regular M&Ms. There's no difference other than the color. But candy corn is the staple. You can't go wrong with candy corn. Candy corn has been around for 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 decades and decades and decades through generations, generations and generations. And it is again because it's only sold during Halloween season. You can't get it during Christmas. You can't get it during Easter, which are all candy holidays. So I'm going with the classic, the candy corn. So when I put my mask on and walk down the street and ring your doorbell, Mike Guido, I would like some candy corn. Have I you will have what? none for you. I will have none for you, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> listen, I, listen. I, I will say this. I do like candy corn. I'm one of the few people on earth that actually, I do like candy corn. I'm not going to lie to you. But I'll tell you what candy corn is, if you wanted to liken it, sort of shifting back to sports a little bit. If you want to liken candy corn to a, I'd say athletes in quotes. I don't think this man is an athlete. I just want to throw this out there. I think a candy corn would be likened to Joey Chestnuts, right? We watch the hot dog eating contest every year on July 4th. Every other day, ain't nobody cares about no Joey Chestnut. He's, he's not an athlete. We don't, we don't put him in the GOAT discussion. I mean, serious people do not put him in the athlete GOAT discussion. But, but just like Joey Chestnut, who has a unique ability to eat all those hot dogs, candy corn has a unique taste that is not replicated by any other candy on the market. That's, because it's this, so this is, bad. This is, That's this, why. Yeah, yeah I'm, listen, I'll dial up the victory music now. Just like, uh, um, Mike, July, uh, Joey Chestnut is a staple. Candy corn is a staple. Of Mike's Halloween. the winner. Mike's the winner. What are we doing? This is. You know that. But if I lost this game to Candy Corn, <laughs> I was never coming back. <laughs> I was never coming back. <laughs> what uh, your your thoughts, uh, uh, Guido, on on this on this incredible win? Yeah, man. Listen, it feels good. I listen uh, in the in the grid group chat when we were discussing topics. I, I I'm glad that that Alfred and I were in the final round for this one. No disrespect to Devin, but we were talking about snacks. So we, we wanted to talk about snacks. So I'm glad that we're both here. Listen, my, uh, my football buddy right here is, is glad to, uh, to, to get his first win here on the eight o'clock spot and uh, happy Halloween to all of our, uh, to all of the uh, listeners out there and all of our grid participants. We really appreciate your, your work and making this network great no question about it we, we listen it's a special day this halloween and so uh you know congratulations to to mike uh, devin alfred big time performances by you guys hold as well. on that is hold it. on before we What's go that? before we go we i know devin wasn't in the wasn't in the final round but we have to get an input sure. on what devin's favorite halloween candy is what do you got devin I can tell you it ain't candy corn. I can tell you yeah, that. Obviously. <laughs> obviously. I can tell you that, man. But um, I'm over Reese's guy. Doesn't matter. It's Reese's pieces. You know what I mean? I, I'm a Reese's guy. It's something about the peanut butter. You know, you still get the protein also in, inside the sugar. So, but um, candy corn, 
I was Alfred. I was with you with the defense of why you was going with candy corn, but come on, though. No, that's why it comes out once a year. Nobody don't want to taste it all year round. Do, 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 do you do you put up a like eggnog? Do you do you oh. put up Christmas trees for Easter? You said, do I put that's up? Beside who? the point, Alfred. That that that's do, no. Do, do, do you do you walk around with an Easter Easter basket for Christmas? No. Candy corn is the symbol of Halloween. What is the eight o'clock spot devolved into? This is this. Is... I would I would say pumpkins are the, are the are the symbol of Halloween, but that's just me. Yeah, that's I'm, what I, I would, yeah, I would yeah. think so too. You know, or at least the ghosts. But <laughs> candy corn? Nah. You know what? That's a you know what's Reese's got. Listen, I I I haven't had Reese's, but uh, listen, it's I didn't even it, get it, extra points. I, I I went the whole show with a costume on. You still would have won. Just, though, so. Throw him an extra. Throw him an extra hundred points, Bryson. Yeah, no, nah, no, nah, no. Nah, don't throw an extra hundred points. Stop. I need. I need to stay in my position. No. This is, this is oh, bad, man. guys. This is really bad. Okay, so that's it for the 8 o'clock spot where apparently somebody thinks candy corn is the goat candy. We're going to have to have a discussion about this, Alfred. Uh, it's to try and see if we can get you to change your mind before next year's show. But great job, Devin, Mike, and Alfred. Great show by you guys tonight on the 8 o'clock spot. Be sure to tune in to next week's show. Same time, same day, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific time, Tuesday nights here on the Grid Network's YouTube channel and on Twitter. Of course, be sure to subscribe to the Grid. Follow all of our social media platforms. Follow, our, follow and subscribe to all of our incredible content creators. Greatly, greatly appreciate it. And uh, until next week, stay safe out there. God bless you all, and peace out. And Devin, the Steelers are your father. <laughs> Big truck.